Ireland Decides with Ivan Yates. Welcome back to this special review of the referendum result here in News Talk. I'm with you here until one o'clock. It's now my great pleasure to introduce the director of the Iona Institute, columnist with the Sunday Times and Irish Catholic, and author of How We Killed God and Other Tales of Modern Ireland, David Quinn. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, I read your piece in the Sunday Times today. Um, obviously, you're disappointed with the result. Um, what what is your overall reaction? Well, I mean, like I wrote that column actually on Friday, anticipating a defeat, all right, but um, that the no side would be up in the forties. And so, um, yesterday morning, I had to basically, you know, rewrite it because of the scale of the no, of the yes side's victory. I mean, I don't think even the yes side didn't expect a victory of that size. Uh, I think it took everybody by surprise. So, what is it in the end? Is about sixty six uh, thirty four. So what happened is that uh, the uh, no side basically boiled down to its core support um, uh, and the uh, yes side picked up every single swing voter going, it looked like. Um, So any reservations people had about the 12 weeks and what have you were basically swept aside and they said, look, um, I'm going to vote for abortion because uh, whatever my reservations are. we effectively already have it in Ireland. There must have been those kind of calculations going on in the minds of the undecided. So they just all switched to uh, the yes side and they ended up giving them a landslide victory. Obviously, obviously, it's very disappointing. Um, it makes it basically impossible to oppose the legislation because if it had been a bit like Brexit, you know, a four-point victory, then you could say, well, was it a soft Brexit or a hard Brexit? Exactly what do people want? But when it's on that scale... Um, People have to know what they were getting in terms of the planned law. Um, and so this is going to go through virtually unopposed. I mean, maybe a little bit, a couple of tweaks here and there about constant rights for doctors. That'll be about it, I'd say. Well, well, but you wrote in your article, this is no time to fold your tent and go away. Did mm-hmm. I take it from it? And there was something that I saw last night on television, actually. Lisa Chambers saying the very intense lobbying that took place by the anti-abortion thing. And she almost, and now she's not a veteran of 83, mm. but she, she almost said it was intimidatory and the pressure that was on rural TDs and so on. Just tell us, in terms of the legislation, because there's going to be a free vote, mm. uh, is it your intention to be kind of very kind of on message and to lobby yeah. TDs individually well, about each line and each section of the bill? You see, I, you see, Iona is, I mean, like we don't go in and lobby. I mean, we're kind of um, uh, media and kind of research. Think we're, tank. We're, yeah, we're not a lobbying group. I mean, I would be in Leinster And you House. don't have ground troops you no, can put on people. we're not a grand campaign, so that's not us. We, okay. like, it's kind of funny watching on Twitter. Um, people seem to uh, identify the whole of the pro-life movement as Iona. Because, you know... I think it is important to clarify that. Yes. That, that you're not a, a force on the ground. No, we're not a ground uh, campaign organisation at all. We do not have an underground machine. That is Save the Eighth and Love Both. They're the ones that have the ground machines. Um, I mean, it so happens, for example, you know, Maria Steen had a very high impact uh, appearance on the Clareburn live show and 
that looms so large, I think, in the imagination of the yes side that they thought Iona must be running the whole show and it's just not the case. And, that's and what, what is the connection between Love Both Save the Eighth and uh, Iona? Well, we have no organic... Like, you know, there was a together for yes. Was there a, a together for no? Uh, there was an informal... Like, there was a lot of informal... Uh, um, um, a sort of cooperation going on. So there would have been an awful lot of phone calls and meetings. Like and, the whole uh, thing about Cora Sherlock being stood down. She made it quite clear on News Talk, uh, speaking to Pat yesterday, mm-hmm. look, I wanted to go on the debate. Mm-hmm. Like, what was all that about? Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's a team sport. And uh, and you pick who you think are your best players for you know to win the match. And so there was an awful lot of people believed um, uh, from all the groups. And I'm talking here about people who'd be canvassing and putting up posters and making their, you know, donations were thinking... Foot Maria's soldiers. Okay, Maria's, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, so that was it. I mean, they just figured, okay. Maria did so well on Clareburn Live, let's have her on uh, Primetime as well. And Primetime said, no, she's already been on a programme. And our counter-argument was, well, Peter Boylan was on two big programmes today, like in Clareburn Live. Anyway, what okay. happened, happened. Right. Where do we stand, in your opinion? Just take one step back from mm. abortion. Mm. Uh, so you're saying there's not going to be a huge attritional thing, you think, because of the scale of the result yeah. about the thing. Where do we stand on church and state in this country? Because I'm thinking about, you know, the National Maternity Hospital, big, big row about even the suggestion mm. that the sisters will be involved with Vincent's. Uh, we've had a bubbling up of the patronage row in primary schools, 90% and so on. Mm. Um, do, do, where do you think the secularisation debate on both sides goes from here? Well, I mean, I've been arguing for years and years and years that the church has far too much involvement in schools and that it needs to step back from an awful lot of them. I don't know what kind of deal could be arrived up with the state and what the legalities and so on are about this handling uh, property that was often built by uh, the donations of parishioners. So you don't see that as the next frontier? Oh, no, I 100% see it as the next frontier. Oh, you do? No, 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 I do. What I'm saying is, and I've been saying this for the 24 years I've been writing the column, the church is in too many schools. It needs to back down from an awful lot of them. I mean, whether it's 50 But hold 60, on to the schools that it is involved in then. Is no, 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 no. Um, find some arrangement um, with the state whereby it divests of a whole heap of its schools um, and then hangs on to, I don't know, 20, 30 percent, whatever the you know, whatever yes. the demand is among parents. Because it's obviously parents have to decide, you know, by and large, the shape of our school system. But the church needs to clear out of an awful lot of its schools. Well, well, you also refer in your article, in terms of the next frontier, about assisted suicide. Mm. If you have uh, unwanted, burdensome, unborn babies, mm. you could have unwanted, burdensome, infirm, old crinklies and old people well, that people yeah, want to get rid of. Yeah, do you see, I mean... Uh, the horror- Do you think that is an issue? Oh, yes. I mean, like the Health Committee has already discussed assisted suicide. Um, uh, you have, you know, a pretty strong lobby, you know, exit. You would be equally opposed to it. Uh, well, I just don't think you eliminate the old and infirm through lethal injections. I mean, that's No, but if someone is terminally ill and going to die uh, anyway and in pain, uh, that's yeah, a different story or not? Well, I mean, that is like, you know, the uh, fatal fetal abnormality. It's one of the hard cases, but, we, but we've seen what's happened in places like Netherlands and Belgium where the numbers just keep going up and up and up and it's gone way beyond terminal illnesses. We saw a man who went uh, from Australia to Switzerland there to one of these so-called uh, Dignitas clinics for a lethal injection city because he felt he had become too old. He wasn't dying. He hadn't got dementia. There was nothing of that sort happening. So do you see, like the ideology of choice is such that um, I must be free to make all my own decisions. And that is a very defensible position at one level. But what it means is that, uh, and this is the point I'm making in my column today, liberal societies have an absolute horror of the unchosen burden. All right. I didn't choose this burden. This burden is going to disrupt my life completely. So the unchosen burden could be an unwanted pregnancy. 
the unchosen burden could be at the end of your life I'll become a burden to myself or to others. And so this horror of the unchosen burden means we end up with abortion and then then in places like Netherlands and Belgium and a few other countries, parts of America, we end up with assisted suicide and euthanasia. So a lot of people who are burdensome start to die by lethal injection and abortion and we call it compassion, by the way. The other issue that you allude to in your article is the political representation of the of the, the cohort of the 30% or plus, 34, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, Renua uh, have certainly issued a statement in mm. the light of this saying that there should be a sort of coalition of people of the same mind. You have independent from some former Fianna Fáil TDs, but independent TDs like Matty McGrath, Michael Healy Ray, are very vociferous on the mm. on the no side. Uh, Fianna Fáil, the, mm. that famous photo of thirty one uh, Aroctus members. Surely you are represented. Well, you see, I mean, thirty four percent almost voted no, and it certainly wasn't the case that thirty four percent of the TDs and senators were no voters, and certainly not outspoken no voters. So there is a certain amount of representation, all right. Um, uh, if you take the same-sex marriage referendum of three years ago, there was nearly 40% voted no at that time. And I think about maybe three TDs were uh, openly opposed to that. And so, you know, that becomes kind of questionable in we terms see, of... see, the point I'm putting is this. I yeah. do a slot on the hard shoulder where people are most concerned about environmental issues yes. or veganism. Yeah. Or some people are concerned about housing or, you know, one, one, one issue uh, p- policies mm. and so on. Mm. Could I put it to you that, mm. that when people come to elect their parties and their representatives, it's in the round and that, you know, issues like this are not always economic and social issues. Bread and butter issues tend to take precedence. No, I agree with that completely, which is why, for example, after the marriage referendum, uh, Labour's kind of wondering, are we going to get a boost out of this? Uh, because because that general election took place, as you know, only a few months later and Labour didn't get any kind of boost, far from it. The because, opposite. Uh, because people just forgot about it. Uh, so you're right, people at general elections don't generally think about the social issues. Um, they think about other issues. But nonetheless, it is a kind of remarkable thing that um, uh, so many of the politicians seem to think differently, outwardly anyway, from a lot of their electors. Um, and that is, you know, a bit of a worry because you'd like if they were, in, you know, in those kind of issues, a little bit more representative of the wider voter out there. But I mean, you know, well, of course, fi- they're ultimately accountable. They can be fired at the next election. Yes, and that's they, their system. Yes, they can. But I mean, as you know, even you know, far better than me, because you're obviously, a, you know, a former politician, you read politics extremely closely and extremely well. Um, setting up a new party is bloody hard. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. And the funding system yeah. makes it impossible. Yeah. Finally, um, People have been calling it a youth quake, uh, a gender quake. Mm-hmm. There, there is like when I go through the figures and the mm. exit polls, and I'm interested in all this. Um, I, I find that those under forty, mm-hmm. and if you look at the supplementary registrants so or people who be apathetic about politics, there is the assertion of something new here. Mm-hmm. As, as, as an observer of society, mm. what's your take on that? Well, I mean. You obviously no, don't agree with them on yeah, a lot of things. But I, mean, I mean, there's no question that socially we have become uh, an extremely kind of uh, liberal, um, uh, individualistic country in terms of our, of our attitude towards moral issues. Uh, and that's clear. What the political expression of this is a bit harder to say, because we discussed um, after the marriage referendum, did Labour get any kind of a boost? They get absolutely none. People expected after the election of Barack Obama there was going to be a surge of young people into politics. That didn't happen either. And then you end up with Trump which nobody can possibly have expected at the time of the election of Barack Obama. So it's, These things go in cycles. Well, it's just, it doesn't necessarily translate. 
Um, and so will this translate into anything broader within Irish politics? And it's hard to say, and who would it benefit? I mean, if Fine Gael called a snap election, I presume Leo was expecting he'd do great among female and young voters. Um, but he'd have to do it quickly, wouldn't he? Because these things fade. All right. My thanks to David Quinn, director of the Iona Institute, columnist and author for joining us. And we look forward to continuing to hear his views along with a balanced approach to all this uh, here on Newstalk. Thanks, David. Thank you. Well, that's all we've time for here on this special review of the referendum result. My thanks to Jojo Cardoza on sound and the production team, Stephen Jordan and Roisin Davis. More reaction right across News Talk Breakfast tomorrow from 7am, Pat Kenny at 9, Kira Kelly at noon, Sean Moncrief at 2 and I'll be back on the hard shoulder from 4. Off the Ball is up next. Enjoy the good weather. Thanks for listening. Ireland Decides with Ivan Yates. 